You're listening to a Tudor and Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference podcast. The 11th annual Tudor and Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference took place at Maynooth University on the 18th and 19th of August, 2023. The conference was generously supported by the MacMorris Project, the Irish Research Council, the Department of English at Maynooth University, the Arts and Humanities Institute at Maynooth University, and Marsh's Library. As in previous years, the conference was recorded for podcasting by Real Smart Media, in association with UCD's History Hub. You can access an archive of more than 250 podcasts from previous Tudor and Stuart Ireland conferences on History Hub's website, historyhub.ie, as well as on Apple Podcasts, SendLed, and Spotify. In this episode, a recording of a paper by Deirdre Nicarty from Trinity College Dublin, entitled Poems on the Equive. 30 kilometres northeast of Mallow, County Cork, lies the barony of Duhia Alla, or Duhalo, and within it, what was once known as Pubble Equive, a district that lies between the River Blackwater, where it borders on Kerry, and one of its tributaries, the Arglan. In late 16th century Ireland, this land was held by the O'Quive family. Now, the Echuive do not seem to have been particularly prominent players in the fraught politics of early modern Munster. They appear only sporadically, for example, in sources such as the state papers and the annals. It is perhaps surprising, then, that a relatively large number of bardic poems survive on various members of this family, some of which were composed by extremely prolific and well-known poets, including members of the Ighali Yun and the Mech Brudada. These poems have received very little scholarly attention, and most have yet to be fully edited, translated and elucidated. And this, I think, gives a good indication of the current state of the field and that there is still enormous groundwork to be carried out on the Irish language material and on bardic poetry in particular. Now, part of what the MacMorris Project has set out to do in its efforts to move away from a traditional Anglo-centric approach to the study of Renaissance Ireland is to highlight the complexity of its literary landscape through the elucidation of texts and the identification of their poets and patrons, and by mapping, as it were, the richness and variety of literary production during the period. So as part of that ongoing work, I'd like to look today at the corpus of poems composed on the Ichuive. In the first half of the paper, I'll attempt to establish the corpus to identify the poems, the poets and the patrons. And in the second half of the paper, I'll look more closely at a single poem, Queen Sir Fast the Clan Ichuive, which is an elegy on the four sons of Art MacDonnell O'Quive, who was Lord of Publi Ichuive until his death in 1583, as an example of the kind of poetry composed on this family in the wake of the plantation. So there are, as far as I'm aware, nine bardic poems that we can identify with certainty as poems composed on the Ichuive. Uh, One of these more much it is that slandering people destroy, was composed on one otherwise unknown David O'Quive in the 13th or 14th century, before the Ichuive moved from Formoy, where they originated, to settle in Duhia And this poem was edited by Elner Knott in Eru 4 in the 1920s. All of the other extant O'Quive poems, bardic poems, belong to the early modern period, to the second half of the 16th century or the first half of the 17th and therefore fall within MacMorris's remit and will be the focus of today's paper. So while we can place these eight poems confidently in the early modern period, it's very difficult to assign them to a particular patron or a particular poet and therefore to date them beyond the rough estimation of, say, 
1550 to 1650. The first challenge is identifying the patrons to whom they were composed. So patrons are generally named and addressed in bardic poetry, um, but many of the O'Keefe lords, particularly those who were head of the family and who would have had poems composed to them, had the same given name. And this is demonstrated nicely in the family genealogy as given in Lauer Morning Enneloch, um, the great book of genealogies. So here we have the uh, genealogy of the Ichiv. So you can see Arth, um, son of Do- Arth, son of Donal, son of Arth, son of Manus, son of Donal, son of Arth, son of Donal, son of Arth, and so on. So for our period, we have a lot of Arths and Donals to contend with. And as I mentioned, these figures do not appear very often in other sources, so we have very few points of reference when trying to distinguish them from each other in the the poetry. It can be equally difficult to disambiguate the poets who compose these poems. Four out of eight of the O'Keeffe poems, for example, are attributed simply to Odal of Fionn in the manuscript sources. Lambert McKenna, who edited a great deal of Munster poetry, suggested that there were up to three poets to whom this ascription could refer, all operating in Munster at the turn of the 16th century. So bearing these challenges in mind, I offer the following tentative description of the corpus, and I am, of course, building on previous work by McKenna, and also on the more recent work of the editors of A Bardic Miscellany, in which diplomatic editions of the previously unpublished O'Keeffe poems were printed, and in which um, some attempt was made to identify the poets and the patrons. So all of the extant early modern poems appear to have been composed during or after the reign of Arth O'Keeffe, of Pablo O'Keeffe, who died in 1583. And the names given in bold in this table are uh, the members of the family who were um, inaugurated as head of the family. And I'll refer to this table throughout the talk. So the first poem, In Law Lagther Kinachweave, the Chweave or Felled as Flowers, is an elegy on Arthur O'Keefe, who died in 1583. And this is attributed to Odal of in the manuscripts. <coughs> This poem concludes with a stanza to Mar- uh, Michael, the archangel, and this is an identifying feature of the poetry of Angus Fionn O'Dala, the great religious poet. We know that Angus Fionn O'Dala composed complimentary stanzas to this Arthur Cueve in many of his religious poems, so it's fitting that he might compose an elegy to him on his death. McKenna did not include this poem in his edition of the poetry of Angus Fionn O'Dala, but in a later article suggested that it might be attributed to him. The second poem, Ban da Chobat Kriach Alla, The Land of Alla, The Woman of Two Sorrows, is an elegy on the death of Art's son, Donal. And it was composed by the well-known Ulster poet Farfasa Unchontia. In this poem, the poet jointly elegizes the son of O'Cueve, Anan Angus Fionn O'Dala, who is usually assumed to be the great religious poet, um, Angus Fionn O'Dala, but who may in fact be a second Angus Fionn O'Dala, who could also have been chief poet to the Ichiv after the religious poet. The next poem, Quintir Fasta Clan Ichiv, is an elegy on the same Donal and on his three brothers, Manus A and Arthog. And this poem, which I will talk about a little later, is attributed simply again to Odal of Fionn in the manuscript sources. And this is likely, um, based on the dates, to be a third Odal of Fionn. So the first being the religious poet, the second, possibly a second, Angus Fionn Odala, um, elegized in the second poem. And here we have a slightly later Odal of Fionn poet. 
Next, we have two praise poems or eulogies, um, which were composed on Arth Oak. And this Arth Oak was inaugurated as head of the family on the death of his father in 1583. The first, Talach um, is by the well known poet Paik Machdorja Machbruvada, who was Olaf or chief poet to the Earls of Thomond. And then Kofather Ray Isra Ichiv is anonymous in the manuscript sources. And then finally, we have three poems on Donals. Uh, the first, Marhan Thanamarit Ronal, is again attributed to Odal Fenn, and this is an inauguration poem. So it was likely composed to Donal, son of Manus, or Donal, son of Donal both of whom would have been inaugurated as head of the family. And the poet is likely the same O'Dolifian who composed Quinter, Fasta, Clani Cueve, because these poems are a little later. The next two poems are petition poems and speak about the relationship between the poet and the patron. Paurum tus corda di Cueve is attributed again to O'Dolifian in the manuscripts and Gar O'Donnell Janalanon is anonymous. Now, I've not been able to identify the patrons of these poems with any certainty, and as far as I can make out, they may have been composed um, on any of, the, any of the donals. But further editing of these texts might reveal more nuances that could help to date them more accurately, and perhaps to identify the Odolifian poem, poet who composed Purim Tus Kurda. Along with these poems... Um, uh, which were composed on the Ichiv, there's one further piece of interest which appears to have been composed on behalf of Manus, son of Arthokiv. Latram Sa Ininuna, this is an unfair daughter of Una, is a short Don Gra or love poem composed in a style of Slavic verse that gained great popularity in the 17th century. The poem is addressed to Isabel Stevens and Manus O'Cleave is presented as a lovesick suitor. The poem is anonymous in the manuscripts, but it was composed in strict Don Zirach meter and was therefore probably the work of a trained bardic poet writing on behalf of his patron. It's unclear if the poem was meant in earnest or whether it, it's a kind, uh, it, whether it's an example of a kind of literary game <coughs> similar to the well-known love poem addressed to Breed um, Fitzgerald, um, which is attributed to Kukunacht Maguir, but was probably the work of Bucky O'Horasa. But either way, the poem raises interesting questions about the changing function of bardic poetry, and more importantly for our purposes, about the active engagement of the equive uh, with their poets. Um, now, in terms of scholarship uh, carried out on these poems, the, um, the second poem, there Ban Dachovat Kriach Alla, was edited by McKenna in the 1920s, and Latram Sa Ininuna, the love poem, was included by T.F. Arahala in his anthology of love poems, Don the Graw. Otherwise, none of the poems have been edited or translated, or as far as I'm aware, even commented on. So it's clear that there's a great deal of work to be done on this corpus. So for the rest of the paper, I'd like to look a little closer at one of the poems, Quintir Fasta Clani Chiv. And as I mentioned earlier, this is an elegy on the four sons of Artho Chiv, Donal A. Manus and Arth Oak, and it was composed by one of the O'Dolifian poets, but not by the religious poet. So the poem is very well preserved. Um, I have to date identified 13 copies in manuscripts. Um, one is held in the Limerick Diocesan Archive, nine in the Royal Irish Academy, one um, in the Murphy Collection here at the Russell Library in Maynooth, 
um, one at the Dublin Institute for Advanced Studies and one at the National Library of Wales. Only two of the copies um, seem to be independent witnesses. The first independent witness is the copy held in Limerick Diocesan Archives, uh, which is Zabal O, and I've labelled it B. And this manuscript was written by the well-known scribe Owen O'Cleave in 1709, and it contains six poems on the Ichive. And indeed, a feature of the manuscript tradition of these poems is that they tend to be transmitted together as a unit. And this, I think, may suggest that the family may have had a duunera, or a family poem book, which no longer survives, but that the poems continued to be transmitted together. And indeed, if the family did have a duunera, this would be further evidence of their deep and sustained engagement with cultural production in Munster. The next independent witness, then, is manuscript 23L37 at the Royal Irish Academy, which I've labelled L. Um, and here is an image of the Academy manuscript. And my understanding of the transmission of the poem is that all other copies uh, appear to derive directly or indirectly from, from this copy. So the poem was composed in Bán <coughs> which is the highest register of bardic verse, and its metre is Rániach Dwar. So in this metre, each stanza is made up of four lines containing seven syllables and ending in a monosyllable. Each line contains alliteration, in which the penultimate stressed word must take part. There is end rhyme between lines B and D, internal rhyme in the first couplet and in the second couplet, and a distinct kind of rhyme called ackle rhyme um, between the final word in line C and an internal stressed word in line D. And this quatrain, incidentally, also has a metrical fault called quiche, in which the same word is found rhyming with itself, and this is generally to be avoided. So this is the first quatrain of the poem, and it reads, Quinter fasta clan i chlíve, chast an clan lér síl at súl, marg da nór nór chrúd le clér da chóg wen anúr. And a very literal translation, Let the children of O'Cleave be lamented, the offspring who are expected to bring hope have died. Alas, those who are not severe with poets have gone from us into the grave. The four brothers who are being elegized are then listed in the order of their deaths. The eldest son, who was the first to die, was Donal, and the only record we have of his death is in bardic poetry, both in this elegy and in a second elegy um, composed by Farfasa on Chante. So, Keadwach Arts Nacher Er Ein Rugum Teg Nihats and Scale, Kian Fazna, Donal Nanov, Love Ardanungarumlan Nair. Death stole away the eldest son of Arth, who never refused anyone, which is a sad story. Donal of the poets, a military leader, the manly hand of the sharp silver blades. His brother A, or Hugh, is mentioned next. The egg A, the Athlashin, Geog Chave, the Scothed, the Skull, Nachravela, Nachvaniv, Rach, Yil, Ekreke, Hill. A died after that, a, ca- a kindly branch that was lopped by soldiers. Nobody on earth was more generous than he with his lovely countenance, his qualities of goodwill. The death of this brother, A, is mentioned in the Annals of the Four Masters. It appears that he was killed in 1582 during the Desmond Rebellion, when the Earl of Desmond led an attack on Pubble Ichive. So in the autumn of this year, the Earl of Desmond made an incursion into Kerry and remained nearly a week encamped in the upper part of Clan Morris. His foot soldiers went forth to collect spoils in Pubbly Cleave. O'Keefe himself, that is Arth, son of uh, Donal, son of Arth, and his son, Arth Oak, were taken prisoners, 
and Hugh, another of his sons, was slain. This event is also mentioned in the state papers in a letter from St. Ledger to Walsingham. Um, so O'Keefe and the rest of the gentlemen of Duhalla drawn into an ambushade and cut into pieces by traitors. And this chimes in nicely with the description in our poem, where A is described as a branch that was cut off or lopped by a troop of soldiers. The next brother mentioned in the poem is Manus, and again, our poem is the only record we have of his death. He must have died sometime between 1582, the year of A's death, and 1610, when Arthog, the last of the brothers, died. Alas, Manus died before he had enjoyed his reign. He was the prince and god of creation. The warlike green branch was not everlasting. The poem then moves on to Arth Og, the last of the brothers to die. This Arth Og became head of the family in 1583, and his inauguration is mentioned in the Annals of the Four Masters. So O'Keefe, an eminent man, was slain, and his son Arth Og was installed in his place. The, the circumstances of Arth's death uh, are not given in our poem or in any other sources, but it does tell us that he died in England. And I can't find any other reference to arts being overseas. So tall Saxon Nishrav mean on the Tachla Dart Nuig, Nihail Bronner and Boar Brown Rov Hal Anas when. So over in England of the smooth streams the grave was dug up for Arth. The fallow land of the grave is not the main cause of our sadness, but that he is far from us in a foreign burial ground. So later in the poem the poet shifts his focus to the effects of the deaths of these brothers. On, um, on the, cult- on cult- the cultural production in, um, in Munster. Art and poetry will suffer now that these patrons have departed. Musicians, for example, will be out without direction. Dawn is Kyola Kriachafal, the Himshinach Sholta Stur, O Hyastan Klan, Falkian Thror, Gan Trian Kyol, Gach Kran Kul. So I see that music, um, the music and poetry of Ireland is without direction. Now that the family whose guidance was enduring has died, every musical instrument plays only two-thirds of its music. Poetry and poets will also suffer. Bjog, the head of Tiga and Sheer, the head of Philip Gafol, Sri Lee and Chahar Agrias, Binyavhil, Gach Nina Roif. The poets will receive little wealth of the wealth of Ireland now. Because the four are lying in the earth, they will suffer everybody's contempt. Now, these, of course, are traditional tropes in bardic poetry. When the rightful ruler dies, music and art die with him. When read against the backdrop of the cultural violence of the 17th century, however, these lines gain a new significance and relevance. The death of these four brothers was the death of the final generation of Equive to fully represent and participate in the old Gaelic order. When, the Odal, when Odal of Fionn speaks of everybody's ill will toward poets in this poem, he is reflecting the very real and current demise of poetry and the poetic profession more broadly. Towards the end of the poem, the poet invokes Cliana, the ancestral banshee, perhaps goddess of the Ichuiv. A van chui relis gagair, a teiv trimahach monur, the chuarin, the hersha hriam, sphere hersha shin darsuan. O lamenting woman who cries bitterly beside Canturk, alas, your sorrow has pierced me. It has truly kept me from my sleep. So this poem is simply an example of the kind of poetry that was composed in Munster in the wake of the plantation. 
Although it's couched in traditional bardic motifs, it was composed against a backdrop of cultural and physical violence and ought to be read in that context. It is not merely a lament on the death of four Gaelic lords, but on the final generation to truly represent the old aristocratic Gaelic order. The poem also shows the importance of bardic poetry in filling in the gaps of our knowledge of the period, as it were. The O'Quee family were not earls, nor were they rebels, and they were not, therefore, of much interest to those who documented the politics of the period. The survival of this corpus of poetry, however, suggests that they were culturally important players, patronising some of the most eminent poets of 16th and 17th century Munster. And this, I think, begs us to reconsider their place in the historiography. Of course, what I've presented today is only the very beginning of the work that needs to be carried out on this corpus. Full editions of all eight of the early modern poems would greatly enhance our understanding of the tumultuous and changing world in which the Ichuiv and their poets found themselves following the conquest and plantation of Munster. Thanks for listening to this podcast from the Tudor and Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference. For more information on the conference, go to tudorstuartireland.com. You can access the archive of Tudor and Stuart Ireland Conference podcasts on History Hub's website, historyhub.ie, as well as on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Spotify.